Let us be attentive. O Lord, save your people and bless your inheritance. To you, O Lord, I have cried, O my God. Wisdom. The reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Galatians. Let us be attentive. Brethren, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that would compel you to be circumcised, and not only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who receive circumcision do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. But far be it from me to glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Peace and mercy be upon all who walk by this rule, upon the Israel of God. Henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. Peace be with you, the reader. Wisdom arise, let us hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be with you all. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Let us be attentive. said to his disciples, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God sent the Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not condemned. He who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light 
lest his deed should be exposed. But he who does what is true comes to the light that it may be seen clearly that these deeds have been wrought in God. Peace be with you who proclaim the gospel. Good morning. Later this month, actually in two weeks exactly, we will mark the two-year anniversary of the retirement of the famous basketball player Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett, nicknamed the Big Ticket, the Kid, and the Franchise, was so famous in his early years playing for the formerly struggling Minnesota Timberwolves that they called him the franchise. In many ways, Kevin Garnett lived up to the nickname the franchise as he defined and redefined the Minnesota Timberwolves. He became one of the most celebrated Minnesota Timberwolves players, leading them to eight consecutive playoff appearances. In 2004, he led the Timberwolves to the Western Conference Finals and won the NBA's Most Valuable Player Award. Garnett was an All-Star 15 times. He won the All-Star MVP Award in 2003. He is also tied for the third most All-Star selections in NBA history. Garnett, the franchise led the Timberwolves to many victories, but people doubted whether he would be a great help to them, to the team. Kevin Garnett was only 19 years old when he was drafted, right out of high school, into professional basketball. No high school student had been drafted directly into the NBA before that in 20 years. People questioned Garnett's maturity. People questioned his determination. People questioned his stability. People questioned his potential. People questioned his strength. People questioned his intelligence. In fact, many questioned whether Kevin Garnett, the kid, would contribute to the team. Some people doubted whether his presence would be a great benefit to the team. In today's gospel lesson, we heard an important reminder, an important reminder that God's presence would be for our benefit. From John 3, 17, For God sent the Son into the world, not to condemn the world, 
but that the world might be saved through him. The early Christians needed the reminder that the presence of God incarnate, Jesus, is not a bad thing. In fact, God is not against humanity, but for it. God came to save us. God is on our side. God is on our team. But sometimes in our lives today, we might not accept God onto our team. Maybe we have doubts about our potential with God on our team. Maybe we don't play as a team with him. Maybe we think we can do it without him. Maybe we think we can go the long haul without the most important member on our team. Maybe we doubt at times whether God's presence would be a great benefit to our team. This analogy that God is on our team does have theological basis. You see, although God is almighty, he doesn't force us to do anything. He works with us. He even works with us in our weakness. God works with us even when we question our own maturity, question our own determination, question our own stability, question our own potential, question our own strength, question our own intelligence. God worked through the disciples who were mostly simply fishermen, uneducated in religion, unpracticed in speech, unrefined in society. But yet, God was on their team, and that team changed the world. They just needed to accept the new star, star of the team, God, who worked with, and they worked with him. And isn't it the case with us, too? When we truly accept God into our lives on our team and work with him, amazing things will happen. What do I mean by accepting God into our lives and accepting him on our team? When we read the Bible, we learn how the game should be played. When we confess our sins, we get personal coaching on our shooting form from the divine personal trainer. When we share our wealth with the poor, we rack up assists for the team. When we fast, we learn the discipline to make us better players. When we, play, when we pray regularly, we follow a regular exercise program that makes us play better. When we ask God to help us, we get that support from the greatest player that ever played, God. But God isn't just the captain of the team, if you let him. He is the power and source behind any righteous success. But what is the success I'm talking about? What are the amazing things that will happen in our lives? I am not talking about wealth and health and fame. No. These things can sometimes give us a false sense of righteousness 
and a false sense of security. The type that, I'm, that makes us think that we don't need God on our team. The amazing things I'm talking about is the transformation of ourselves. The transformation from a selfish ball hog into the true team player with God and his church. When we work with God on our team, he will lead us to the ultimate victory. Not a victory gaining wealth, health, and fame, but the ultimate victory over sin and death. This ultimate victory over sin and death transforms us. And like the disciples, this victory can transform those around us. With Christ on our team, the team can be transformed as long as we work with him. When Kevin Garnett joined the Timberwolves, the very next year and for eight years straight, the Timberwolves went to the playoffs. But with God on our team, when we work with him, using the coaching the church gives us, we and those around us can be transformed and reach our final destination with him in paradise. Amen.